You're listening to the IVP Heat Seekers Podcast, part of the rotoheat.com family of podcasts. Welcome back, everybody. It is Monday night, July 27th, for those on our stream. For the rest of you, it'll probably be Tuesday, Wednesday, or whenever you listen. Uh, It is the IDP Heat Seekers pod and stream. I am your host, Brad Menendez, as always, back with me. I've got my boy Craig Reith. How we doing, brother? Doing well. It was my day off. Got some stuff done, some competitive games of Uno tonight. It was a good day overall. Owning kids at Uno is always a good time. Uh, I cannot complain. After a week off from last week, getting back into the swing of things was a little slow going, but, uh, you know, we move forward. And uh, always a pleasure to have with us the Paul Velboom. How's it going, man? Excellent. Last night was pretty fun. Um, If anyone's a good Call of Duty asset and they want to hop on with us, shoot us a message, man. Well. We'll certainly play with you. We got a couple dubs last night. I mean, it makes uh, walking in Monday morning into the office a little easier, you know, even though that uh, no one knows what you're talking about. It's okay. Your head's a little higher, your chest a little puffed out. You, 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 beat right. some, uh, you beat some kids in their mom's basement on video games. You're feeling good about it. I know how that goes. And it was. It was exciting. It was a good time. Uh, definitely uh, some, of the best, some of the best games we had in a while last night because – there was some good stuff going on. Uh, yeah, and, you know, Paul said good assets. I can't say that I'm very good, but lucky. So if, you, if you're if you a lucky Call of Duty player, we'll take you too. Because <laughs> sometimes, just like in fantasy football, it's all about the luck. Uh, so with that being said, tonight's episode uh, is going to be fun. Uh, thank you for anybody who's been streaming, uh, whether it's on YouTube or the podcast over on Apple or Stitcher, Player FM, Google Podcasts, all those places. Um, it's been getting some good good feedback, so I appreciate uh, all the folks that have been that have been taking taking a listen and taking a look and, and spending some time with us. Uh, as a reminder, if you've got questions, we answer them live on the Monday Night Show on YouTube or Facebook, wherever you're watching us. Uh, so if you want your IDP or fantasy football related questions answered. Find us there, and we will take care of you. But for tonight, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a fun night. We're going to be talking uh, IDP strategies, uh, a little more specifically centered around redraft, uh, because there are IDP redraft leagues, and there are quite a few of them. Uh, so we want to talk about you know we've talked about in the in the past on some of our previous episodes draft strategies for from a dynasty perspective and and if you'll remember correctly and if you haven't listen make sure to go back and listen we started drafting guys in about the fifth round of a dynasty idp draft so i wanted to talk tonight with you guys and get your opinions about um maybe a little bit more redraft centered does does that change your draft strategy and some of those things but before we get into that We've got some news and notes. Uh, for those that are living under a rock, we've got one of the best IDP assets in the game got traded this last weekend. Uh, Jamal Adams moved on from the Jets like he's been asking for for what feels like a lifetime. He is now with the uh, the Seattle Seahawks creating what could be uh, the new Legion of Boom. Quandre Diggs, our boy Paul's boy Jordan Brooks. We got, we got an interesting defense shaping up there. Craig, how do you feel about that move? For NFL as well as for uh, fantasy football. Well, I mean, 
it doesn't really move the needle a whole lot, I think, in terms of what's going to happen to the Jets this year for the real NFL. It certainly makes the Seahawks better on the field. The Seahawks are in a tough division, so you know if they want to be competing, they have to go out and to get have to get top tier talent to pair up with uh, what they have on their offense, which ended up being pretty good last year. And on the Russell Wilson, as good as he's been consistently throughout his career. He's starting to get up there in years, and who knows how long he's going to end up playing or playing theirs. There have been rumblings past few years of maybe the team moving on from him. So I think it's certainly a win-now move. It's a win-now team. In terms of fantasy for Adams himself, you know, it doesn't move the needle a whole lot. I mean, if I had to guess, his stats will probably go down a little bit in the sense that he has a better set of defensive players around him. So it'll be a little bit less opportunity, but I still wouldn't see him. Most people have him as their DB1, and I think that's fair. I don't think that changes, and I don't think it really moves him. We'll see the next time we update them, but our road to heat IDP rankings, I don't see him really moving a whole lot. I think it really matters more for the pieces around him, um, more so the ones he's leaving behind in the Jets with that sort of vacuum of opportunity now that someone's going to have to be making up. What about you, Paul? Um, I don't think the ceiling is as high, um, just because I don't think that Seattle's going to be on defense as often as the Jets would, but it solidifies the uh, floor just from a, hey, he's not with the Jets, and he's with uh, one of the others. Um, Blair is a center fielder, and Adams, yeah, he can play center field fine, but he's better off in that box safety spot and uh wagner's in that area Wright's in that area but i can't see them uh, moving multiple firsts uh for him and just being like okay we're just going to use you for coverage in the deep third and i just don't see it like that um i don't know if i see him finishing as the top safety just because there are enough others with a monster um, opportunity, but it could happen. Um, if he gets enough of the interceptions and the big ones, um, the fumbles and stuff like that, he might be first, but I, I, I think he'll finish anywhere between uh, three to seven overall, and you'll be happy with it. Yeah, I mean, you know, it it was a win-win for both teams in my mind. You know, the the Jets are in a rebuild, um, and they seem to be a bit all over the place with what they're doing anyway. Um, Adams could have been a cornerstone piece of their rebuild. They decided to move him, but they get a haul in return. Um, so I thought the Jets did a good job uh, getting a return on that investment because most people aren't giving up that amount of picks. Now, part of the equation is our teams, you know, and this is probably more a conversation on our Debbie show, but uh, team scouting for 2021 are going to have a harder time. So are those picks better to be flipped for a guy that we know is a proven commodity? And I think Seattle pulled the trigger. And, you know, we've talked about in the past, Seattle's not exactly the best at drafting, especially in the first round anyway. They seem to make some really strange selections. So why not trade the pick for a proven guy? Uh, he kind of, and I wrote an article around Roto, he uh, just kind of given some quick idea of thoughts on it. And he fills the Cam Chancellor role. You know, he's an enforcer, uh, big hitter, you know, but he's real, just like Cam Chancellor, he's very smart. Um, he's a big film room guy. He's always uh, studying 
and I think in that division, you know, with the amount of speed and the amount of running that he will have to do, you know, in handling running backs, I think he's the perfect kind of safety to to either come down into the box or to or to help kind of lead that secondary. Uh, because remember, it's a young secondary with guys that are still developing. So I think it's a win-win. IDP wise, value wise, you know, it's probably very similar, like Craig said. So, you know, uh, good move all around. I think uh, I think it helps both teams in the long run, and uh, it doesn't hurt. Adam's IDP value, which is nice because he could have gone plenty of other places and it could have upset his IDP value. So, uh, also on a side note of that, this absolutely skyrockets Ashton. Davis. Yeah, yeah, I I think him and Marcus may get a bump because I think both of them are going to get a lot of a lot of playing time and I think they're going to get a lot of action. Uh, Ashton, the interesting thing for me is any rookie this year, it'll be interesting to see how quickly they get up to speed. You know, are do they throw yeah. these kids into the fire and just let them kind of sink or swim, uh, you know, or not. But yeah, Davis, I mean, you know, they drafted the third round, so you, you had to assume he was going to be playing sooner rather than later anyway. So, I yeah, I mean, so. go ahead. Go ahead, Paul. Oh, okay. Um, I think that Marcus Mays on his last year there, um, and Davis is is more of a hitter. I know he takes um, aggressive angles, sometimes too aggressive, but he's going to be um, he's not going to be playing center field often. And if they drafted him while still having Adams and May, I think May's he's going to see the field this year. But I think this is May's last year before he's a backup somewhere else. I really think Ashton. Davis could be a DB one for a redraft if he can get mentally around the playbook, but who knows what that's going to look like. I know that's a little teaser for our next segment, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What were you going to say, Craig? I think Davis is more of a play for next year. I mean, if you look at it, like Paul said, may hasn't shown a whole lot. And I don't imagine with may having started quite a bit there, that Davis is just going to come in as a rookie without a whole lot of time in camp and take that over. And the other side of it, McDougal, who they got in the trade for Adams, he's a free agent too. So if you have May and him starting this year, you're probably looking at a completely different starting safety tandem next year, which then they can slide in Davis if they like what they have in them after this year wherever they want. So it does give them flexibility. Going yeah, forward. it seemed like McDougal was more of a salary dump for Seattle in the deal, you know, because they weren't, obviously wasn't going to be playing very often. Uh, and he was one year left on the deal. He's hitting 30. I think he's either 29 or 30 already. Uh, so it makes sense because New York gets a guy they can kind of plug and play if they need a veteran uh, to start for a team yep. that's going to win five games or I don't know, whatever they're going to win. Uh, so, you know, uh, interesting move all the way around. I think it, I think it was really smart and I'm really interested to see if there's other teams as we move into the training camp season. Cause obviously training camp is on us, you know, teams, players have started reporting over the weekend and most of them officially report tomorrow. Um, do more teams trade their first rounders next year because of the lack of the ability to scout and get a real clear picture on some of these guys that, you know, cause some of the top players in the class are very big injury risks or guys that are coming back. From injury, do you see him anymore before the draft next year? It'll be be really interesting to see how that plays out over the next six months. And you know, I think Seattle kind of tried to jump that that curve and and make that move. And kudos to them; it was a bold move, and I hope it pays off for them. Uh, speaking of, 
Dodgeball reference. Yeah, that's I know. What I got that's what I did. I'm I'm the movie <laughs> reference guy. Paul's the. Uh, I got it. Paul's got the it. the other guy. <laughs> so I'm I'm the go between between the two of you. Apparently, you are. You are. <laughs> Uh, so that being said, the other big piece of news is we've already started seeing COVID cases rise in the NFL, which is expected. You know, um, they're not in a bubble. These guys are all coming from wherever they were, which, you know, you can be asymptomatic and all these other things. So uh, big names that have been got that have been receiving a positive test so far. Rookie Justin Jefferson in Minnesota, which is obviously offense related, but uh, that's a big name. Uh I think it's interesting, you know, some of these guys, because most of the guys, it won't be a problem. They'll get better in a couple weeks and, and they'll be good to go. It's interesting to see how many guys have it in the first, you know, week or two because they'll be good to go by the time the season starts. You know, um, we have no preseason games, so the preseason's off the books and they're going to have, you know, like 21 days of strength and conditioning and then they're going to get on the field some and, and ramp up for September. But, you know, we've got a month and a half before we see football and these guys, you know, that get this early could be good to go come September. Uh, Craig, how do you feel about all these things that you've been hearing about? What's your gut tell you about all that? And, you know, just kind of give me your thoughts and feelings on it. So from, a, you know, clearly a real life position, this is nothing to, to joke about and make light of in any sort of way, but looking at it at a fantasy perspective, because that's what our topic is here tonight, it really just makes a mess of things. And even more so than the people that necessarily get it, because, you know, again, the, a lot of this is speculation, but there's rumors out there that for the most part, if you get it once, they don't think that you can get it again or something. But there's people already being put on this um, NFL COVID sort of list, if you will, that have been around people that have gotten it that may not have it themselves, but they still have to be sort of away from other people and have those negative tests before they can come back. So you could see players theoretically hitting this list multiple times during a season. You know, there was originally this thought out there, it seemed quite a bit earlier this summer of, oh, well, you know, once they're on it for the two or three weeks, they're going to come back and you don't have to worry about it. I think that's really jumping the gun. You know, there's a lot of unknowns. And since we don't know how this is going to work, we spoke on it a little bit last week. We just have to be adaptive as team owners and then people just participating in league decision-making on how we want to address this. And I think Paul made the point last year, if you're not last year, last week feels like a year ago. Sometimes uh, if you're not being uh, proactive and addressing this now, you're doing yourself and your league a disservice. You have to sort of have some sort of fail safe to be able to expand uh, rosters in the sense of IR. If your system will let you put people on it, Taxi squads, just expanding your bench, you know, figure it out as a league and go from there. But some sites, uh, and we discussed it beforehand, like Flea Flicker are already having a designation for players that are going on this NFL list, which I think if we're seeing this sort of proactivity from the sites, it's only going to help us as leagues and team owners be proactive as well and do the best that we can with Absolutely. it. Paul, what are you thinking? Yeah, 100% behind that. I remember saying two months ago that we should have an unlimited IR for this and got laughed at. Uh, that's looking like the reality right now. Um, you, um, you need to figure out either with a taxi squad. Um, I don't know if I'd do it as expanded roster spots, um, but if that's your only option on the platform that you're on, 
Okay. Um, but if if you have um, IR or taxi, that's the way. Also, we should clear up. It's not Jefferson who actually has it, but he was in contact with someone who mm. did. So just to clarify that. But um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Uh, you're going to be. Uh, this is the Monday night show, not the Tuesday night show, but he's the only one who who has it. So he he's someone we're going to discuss right now. Um, if you have rookies that you selected in the top 20 of the draft this year, expect that you're um, going to be seeing them in your starting lineup, not necessarily because you want to, but because you're forced into it. Just expect it at this point. Yeah, I mean, and it's going to be tougher for, you know, so um, I only have one league, my my original home league that's been running since the 90s, I believe. Uh, they don't do waiver wire. So it's you draft them at the beginning of the season and then everything's closed down and the only way to make things is trading. So I've been having the conversation with the, with the other commissions like, We've got to change things this year. It's got to be different because there's no way, like, it's going to crush teams if we can't figure out ways to pick up guys. And so we've been having that conversation and trying to put that together just so that um, it's ready. The nice thing is with no with no preseason and, and the season's still a month and change out, leagues like mine that take forever to finally make a decision and move forward will still have enough time to get it together. Uh, you know, because that's that's it's inevitable that the big names that, you know, on some of the big names on my roster, the Lamar Jacksons of the world, these guys are going to be unavailable for a little bit of time, uh, potentially. Uh, so, you know, just be prepared uh, from a, from an IDP perspective. You know, you're going to see guys come up, you know, maybe even guys like the Jamal Adams that we just mentioned that might be unavailable. Well, think about guys like Ashton Davis or some of these other rookies, depending on your league size, they could get some playing time and may, may see some value for you. So uh, don't rule out picking up guys like that uh, just because they're either young or maybe not in a necessarily a starting role. They're, they're going to get some playing time this year for sure. Craig, were you going to say something? Also to, uh, also to 100% just add on to that, it's a lot easier to say that the defense, okay, if Cook sits out, we hope that uh, Madison picks up the stats. It's a lot easier of a of a um, apples to apples if you have the so-and-so uh, middle linebacker all of a sudden, now it's the sixth-round rookie, the seventh-round rookie. It's apples to apples a lot more often defensively than it is offense. Yeah. That's what about you, Craig? You look like you're about to say something. One of the things that's really going to matter is how specific and how – well, deep, clearly, but how specific your IDP player designations are. And by that, I mean, you know, if you think about wide receivers, every team has a bunch of wide receivers. If you have defensive backs, that widens up the field a lot more. And it isn't even so much there, but I'm going to say if you play in like a defensive tackle specific league, you're probably going to have to go digging and get to know some guys that you really haven't looked at a whole lot. It's sort of like, you know, it's positional scarcity, I guess is the best way to put it. Talk about quarterbacks in the super flex league. You might be starting Robert Griffin for two weeks if Lamar Jackson goes out or something, whereas you might not even think to have it. So 
I know handcuffing is a very divisive topic, and it really isn't something that comes up a whole lot in the IADP world, but be thinking about looking at depth charts and getting to know some of these guys if your league is very specific that you haven't looked at before in the event that Aaron Donald is out. All right, who's the next man up? That sort of situation. Yeah, this year is going to be big for that. You're going to have to be prepared and agile enough to, to swoop up. And it and it goes both ways. Swoop up guys to support your players in, in times of emergency. And, you know, throw a little button hook into the next guy and take his player because he just lost his starter. You know, I mean, it's... It's gonna be it's gonna be the way it goes. If you want to win this year, you're gonna to have to, uh, you know, be on top of your league and be on top of your team and know who's who's the next man up for the different players and and jump all over them. So, uh, absolutely good, good stuff, guys. Um, so that is all the news and notes of value uh, this evening or today. The topic at hand. So, so when we when we're we're talking about the shows and and we we're putting these in order, I wanted to make sure we touched on um, the redraft side of IDP because there are plenty of, of redraft IDP leagues. So, uh, you know, drafted one year, next year you redraft your team over again. Um, the conversation I wanted to have, and it, and it may be very similar to in a dynasty aspect, but what do you guys think about you know your your draft strategy? Uh, do you do you handle things differently when you're redrafting as opposed to drafting a dynasty league? You know, uh, that's the conversation I want to have today. And I just kind of want to frame it a little bit because IDP redraft uh, is probably going to be different than dynasty. You know, it's because you're on a one year kind of rinse and repeat cycle. It doesn't have to be grabbing the young hot name because in three years he's going to be a LB one or a safety one or something. So I want to have that conversation. I'm going to start it with you, Craig, and, and kind of see where the topic goes and see where it takes it. But, you know, let's, let's get your thoughts on, on doing a redraft and from the IDP side of things and, you know, and where, what that looks like for you. So the first big difference that I see between dynasty and redraft is that usually in any of the leagues that I've been in, whether just offense or IDP leagues, is your benches are a lot shorter. You have a lot more robust waiver wire. And that you have to take into account because you're not going to be stashing the young bucks necessarily, kind of like you alluded to going into this. You're going to want to find guys, generally for me, that have either shown a lot at the end of the previous season leading into this once they got into a role or have shown consistency throughout their career. I don't like to gamble so much in redraft leagues and like, all right, I think this guy's going to break out and turn out to be awesome. I look for more of that consistency up front with guys that have shown the ability to, to do that. Um, and on that note, while I said I generally see redraft leagues having shorter benches, like we just talked about, not to continue on the point too much, I would look at talking to your commissioner if it's something that's been going on for a few years and you just keep redrafting, expanding those benches a little bit. I don't think it's a bad conversation to have in any league, and I know redraft leagues usually aren't as open to that sort of thing, but I really think it, this year specifically it's worth having that conversation. Um, but the big difference for me, like I said initially from redraft to dynasty, is what you look for. You know, you're not going to be looking for, you know, Someone like Xavier McKinney might not necessarily be a guy that you're going to want to be taking early on where in a dynasty league, you know, because he has that production you've seen in college, he's fitting into a nice role in the Giants. You're just like, all right, I could take this guy and be set long term. You might not be looking at him at that spot. You might be looking at someone like a 
Harrison Smith, perhaps someone that, hey, he's been there. He's shown he can do that. You only need him for that year. So that's the starting difference. Okay, so, so question back to you then. So what is your recommendation for, for, for bench sizes or roster sizes as a whole for an IDP redraft league? Now, obviously, th- that's not taking into account of starting positions and things like that. But as you, as you said, you know, expanding it, what do you think that needs to look like this year and, and beyond? Usually what I've seen in redraft leagues is a one-to-one ratio for defense. You know, if you have six defensive starters, you usually have something like up to six bench spots. And I'm not saying go whole hog and double that like you might see in a dynasty league. But, you know, if you can find that sort of happy medium where you're up at a few spots or, you know, in the event that they aren't up for that, if you're able to use COVID designation or IR designation or throw in a taxi squad, you know, it's not might not be something they thought about previously, but having that flexibility. If you're not able to do those sort of things, you know, I think upping it by another half or so. So, you know, if you normally have six bench for your defense, you're not going to full six, but you're looking at eight, nine, ten, you know, another couple spots added on there, just the way you have that sort of fail safe. It's not going to completely deplete your rosters unless, you know, you're in like a 2014 league or something. But it's just going to give owners a little flexibility of like, all right, Harrison Smith, he's on this list for two to three weeks. Do I drop him and then have to take my chances on waivers or am I able to keep him because I drafted him at this certain spot and hang on to him? It doesn't give you that sort of Sophie's choice that you see a lot in redraft leagues. Paul. Um, Redraft leagues, I've seen a lot shallower benches. I've seen about six for offense and let's say three for defense. Um, I don't have many redraft leagues just as is, much less defense, because IDP is usually a pretty, you're into it pretty hard, so you're probably playing defense. But from a 20-20 perspective, yeah, the same thing. Just just expand rosters. Um, You don't want, Daniel Hunter, who gets it week one, and you go, well, should I really hold on to him to week two, three, five, whatever it is? Um, you don't want that. I don't want to be the owner who is in that spot. I don't want to be playing someone who's in that spot. Just expand rosters. Yeah. It's not that hard. And, and I, I thought this would be a good time to have this conversation because um, Craig and I will start drafting in three or four days a – uh, IDP guys invitational, which is a which is a one year league, uh, basically a redraft format, full IDP. Uh, you know, having the conversation about what not only what good strategies are, but I thought Paul made or uh, Craig brought up a good idea uh, about expanding the rosters. You know, uh, because 2020 is going to be. I don't know that this is going to go away quickly. So 2020 could be the framework for how we handle the league for the next few years until this really gets under control. You know. Uh, I mean, obviously not going to go into crazy history lessons, but you think about the last time we had a major pandemic, it took multiple years to really kind of get the world's head around it, get things into place, get vaccines and things like that and move forward. So, you know, this may be something that you're going to have to use for a couple of years. So squaring it away now and getting it all set up and, and making sure you guys are comfortable with it, uh, you and your league owners, uh, will make it a lot easier moving into 2021 and beyond. So. 
That being said, let's get to the the, the nitty gritty of the of the drafting side of it. So we talked, like I said, we talked about in dynasties. You know, you start. We started taking guys around, uh, kind of the fifth round. It was the sweet spot for us. When we start taking the big names, the, the Darius Leonard's and, and people like that. Um, in a redraft, how do you guys handle uh, player acquisitions on the defensive side? Do you start drafting them? earlier like round five or do you push it back a little bit further uh paul i'll start with you this time um as far as a top of the order i'm not i'm not going to end up as the first one who selects defense but i am going to end up with with one of leonard one of the bosas hunter i know i ragged on him last week but from a this year perspective he should be all right still. Um, Garrett, I'm going to end up with one of the top uh, three or four edge rushers or Leonard and just hope that it works out. Um, IDP changes much more um, than the offense. So at least in Dynasty, I can say, all right, I'm going to grab your Del Pitts, your Mc kinnies and say okay a year from now you should end up as being fine versus on the offense you're going well i hope that denzel mims works out for next year you can make a reasonable assumption that the defense is going to hit a lot faster um but i but you're not sure of it i'm still heading for one of those top four or five overall assets like I said, I won't be selecting them first because it's a redraft. You don't know when everyone else is thinking about it unless it becomes super obvious. And it's like round seven, round eight or something. But I want to end up with the third, fourth or fifth IDP off and go from there. Yeah, it, it, it makes sense to, to try to be ahead of the curve and, you know, and, and, in Dynasty, it looks a little different. I, you know, for me, it, I think it pushes it back. I was my sweet spot's kind of like a round and a half, two rounds. So, kind of mid sixth to seventh round, I start. I would start thinking about it. Uh, and for anybody who listens before we start our IDP guys invitational this weekend, um, that's probably where I'll start drafting IDPs. You know, probably six, seven, somewhere in there. Uh, you know, in Dynasty, I want to make sure I get the guys that I think are elite. So fifth round was was comfortable for me. Uh, Craig, what, you know, what kind of, what's your take on that? Um, is there, is there a, you know, a hard, fast method you use, or do you just kind of see how the draft unfolds and what people are doing? The IDP invita Invitational will be much different than the other leagues that I have played in before in the sense that, you know, it's clearly, I'm assuming, but at least half people, you know, that know a lot about IDP, you're going to have probably a few dipping their toes in it to see what's going on to raise money for a good cause, which is great. Um, but a lot of the leagues that I play in, and especially the redraft ones, you're not having as well-versed owners in IDP in general. You know, they're going to know the top few names, the big names that you hear about, and, you know, like, oh, just even looking at that list the day they're drafting, like, oh, I've heard of this guy, you know, someone like Harrison Smith that might not be at the very top. But, you know, I know that guy. He's been to Pro Bowls and stuff. I'm going to take him because he's good. I tend to wait longer, and I guess this kind of falls back into even how it is for Dynasty for me. 
I usually wait longer than most people because I feel confident in myself to be able to find guys on waivers later that are going to be able to produce. And I, I haven't tested it this year, but I think this year I'd be even more comfortable doing that in the sense that there's going to be so much chaos and turmoil. I feel if you are confident in your own abilities, you're going to be able to get guys later on waiver wires and stuff that are going to produce because of this fluid situation with the COVID that you can probably push back drafting guys later in the draft than you normally would. So, you know, if you're looking at maybe round set of six and a half, seven, like you said, um, you know, maybe push it back to nine or so. So I, I have a little bit different take on it, but that's largely based on your competition. Paul. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm 100% behind that. Also, there are a lot of guys who take name. Um, I just want one of the top edge rushers. And once I get that, yeah, I'll take LB16 and LB20 and feel I'm doing fine with it. Um, The defensive backs are the same. Um, Would I like Adams? Yeah, sure. I'm a James fan. He's a solid player. Someone's going to be selecting them too early for me i want one of the top uh, th- uh three four edge rushers uh throw in cameron jordan into there also but other than that yeah i'm behind that philosophy it's a do you know what you're looking at or did you read the name and select off of that right. yeah you know and and for the, the IDP guys invitation that Craig and I were talking about, um, make sure you check out Roto Heat and at Roto Heat Fantasy because I'll be making sure to share the draft updates and, and a link to the league to see so you can see kind of how Craig and I are drafting our teams uh, so that you can you know, just see how we do things. Um, it'll be a fun time and it is for a great cause. Uh, you know, autism is, is nothing to joke around about. Um, so, you know, It'll be fun. Uh, it'll be interesting, and, and it definitely is much different than than any other IDP redraft I've ever done. Uh, just because there's so many, probably very well qualified individuals uh, taking part in it. Uh, I, and that, and the interesting thing to me is I tend to depending on uh, if it's a league a redraft that I've done that I do with people local. You know, so. Um, uh, my wife used to be, my wife is the head of a accounting at the place she's at. And she's always kind of been a head of accounting type person. The place she was at before, you know, a bunch of guys there did fantasy football. So these are all Indianapolis guys. Well, they all, they all drafted Colts defensive players in this IDP redraft. And I'm like, I'll take these guys that are better. You know, so I noticed that depending on, you know, the skill level, some guys go with their hometown guys because they know them, you know, and, and. You can see that as an advantage uh, if you're if you're burst on you know on the defensive side. So um, I always try to look for whatever advantage I can that that is a proper legal advantage when it comes to, to drafting and, and building your your fantasy roster. Uh, don't be a jerk, you know. Don't break rule number one in the uh, Roto Heat Facebook community that Paul's an admin of. Don't be that guy. Uh, don't be a jerk, you know. But there's oh, Matt, you got to make me. <laughs> So, you know, uh, it's interesting. It's definitely when it comes to when it comes to redrafting, you know, uh, I think the waiver wire is kind of a critical area because there always inevitably seems to be guys that that pop off 
And if you can get them, that can change the tides of your season. You know, you can go from being a team that is playoff bound or maybe even not even, you know, kind of fringe to being a to being a playoff contender and maybe even a deep run guy if you grab a couple of key waiver wire guys. So uh, just just be mindful and don't and don't think it's over if you do a crappy draft because it's inevitable that you'll you'll f- pick a couple guys that at the end of the year you look back and you're like, why did I pick that guy at that point? So. Uh, go ahead, Paul. Also, on on the redraft uh, front, I'm more willing to take shots on guys who are hurt. On the offensive side, hey, if Geis, he can't get healthy, you kind of have to hold him because you feel that you should. Now, granted, I'm a fan of his, and I'm saying this, you should hold him because you should. But on the defensive side, guys like, J.J. Watt, um, getting injured guys a day late, yeah, that's always the risk. But at least you don't have to hold them when it gets tough out there. And, you know, Watt, he's he's from Wisconsin, and some guys from Wisconsin just have never learned that lesson. Good point, Paul. And, and that's your one per show, everybody. Right there. <laughs> Have a drink if you're drinking, everyone. <laughs> but it's a valid one. I mean, it, it's a very good point because, I mean, that's something we brought up last week, or I specifically brought up last week in regards to J.J. Watt, where, you know, I thought we had him probably ranked too high based on how he's performed. Um, situation like this, you're able to cut bait. You're not saddled with him if you take him too high for multiple years in the sense that, well, he probably should be rostered, but you really don't want him, and are you going to get fair value for him? If he's just not doing well or if he gets hurt, cut bait and move on. It's not going to haunt you down the road in that sense. Yeah, in, in redraft, I'm very quick to churn the roster. If I don't think a guy's working out, I mean, don't be afraid to drop and move on. You know, uh, it because you have to be bold – and make some big moves to try to get to the ship. I mean, you know, it's just it's just the way it is. So uh, if there's guys out there that are really performing at a high level that you can get, don't be afraid to do it. Um, are there other in-season strategies that you guys look to do? Uh, are there, you know, as we get to the, to the end of the episode, are there other redraft strategies that you like to try to use or, or things that you look out for? Uh, Paul, I'll start with you. Um, know who you are. If you have an offense that's absolutely humming, Todd Davis is not sexy, but he's got a solid uh, floor. If your offense is hit or miss, uh, maybe you need someone that needs an inter uh, that needs an interception. I'd rather go out swinging than looking at it um I'm, I, I mean i'm not saying you should have will fuller and make a fitzpatrick but if you have one having the other it might help you a little bit more um but just know who you are and and what you're looking for okay craig what about you If you have the roster space to do so on the defensive side of it, especially as you get towards the end of the season when injuries have taken their toll, there's more people out, you have a playoff picture, 
for the NFL playoffs that is more in line. And if it's looking like you're going to have guys that may sit, I do start looking at matchups down the road in terms of, all right, I'm looking at this guy on waivers. The teams that he's playing around the time of my league's playoffs don't give up a lot of points to safeties. I'm probably going to look at someone else. I know that can burn you, and that's not a complete fail-safe for getting stuff done correctly in the playoffs, but I do look at that more in redraft because, like Paul said, sometimes you just need in the playoffs to get that extra boost, and looking at matchups and who's playing who never hurts. Absolutely. As long as you're looking at it. I mean, like I said, it can come back to bite you, but I think it's worth looking at, and I think a lot of people – you look at their stud in week 15 and like, oh, why did he put up three points? Well, you know, he played half a game or a quarter because their team wasn't playing a whole lot. And if you aren't cognizant of that, can it can uh, lose you the game. Absolutely. Yeah, go or, ahead, on the, or on the other end of that, are you against somebody who's an all pro tackle? Or are you against someone who's only out there because the guy in front of them is on COVID IR? If you're playing the sixth round rookie tackle, you can expect a sack out of that guy. At least yeah, probably more. Yeah. yeah. And you know, and, and that's and that's a good thing to note for for any season. You know, not only I mean obviously the COVID stuff isn't gonna be there every year, but know your matchups, know who, who your team is facing and kind of their their strengths and weaknesses and uh, don't be afraid to to bench a big name if they're just in a brutal matchup because uh, you know, especially in redraft, you only get one chance each week to, to get that dub, and you want to make sure you get uh, the best chance for it. Uh, so, you know, just know your matchups. And and uh, we tend to, uh, I put out plenty of, of weekly start-sit type articles, uh, and I know that we'll be doing that again this year. Uh, IDP-focused guys that are going to be, you know, we expect to be big hits each week. So uh, keep it locked to rotoe.com. It'll 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 help you in the long run, and we'll make sure that we get you some good information. Uh, as we close the show, I'll just give you guys a second. Craig, do you have any final thoughts or anything else you want to make sure you say before we end it? One thing that you just said there made me think of this, and this is nothing I've run into because I haven't done the sit-start sort of stuff before. But if you go on any sort of platform looking for sit-start advice, whether it's Redraft or Dynasty, and you take someone's advice and it doesn't pan out, remember that the culpability ultimately starts and stops with you. It isn't Brad or someone else going in and putting your lineup in for you. We're all prognosticating to the best of our ability. We're probably going to be wrong more times than we're right if we're doing this on a weekly basis. We're trying to get to the other side of that, but realize no one's perfect and you can't be blaming someone else for how your fantasy season goes. If you're the one responsible for putting in your lineup, you want to go get advice. It's great to get advice, but go with what you think in the end, because that way, at least if you went with your gut, you're not second guessing someone else because you went with their advice when they had no control over it really. And they, they weren't really vested in it either. You know, if I'm asking Brad who I should play against, brad this week uh, probably not the best idea but if you're paul talking to brad about a lineup in some other league that he's not in you know there's really no reason for brad to be intense well 
maybe Brad sabotaging Paul isn't the best example, but you get where I'm going with it. So make sure that you're responsible for your own choices here in any league. Yeah, I, you know, anymore I'm in so many leagues, I wouldn't know if he was talking about a matchup I'm facing him in anyway. <laughs> uh, you know, it's that's a tough thing. You know, perfect example is is I use sit starts all the time for like kickers in redraft leagues that I'm in because I don't pay any attention. I don't do research on kickers very often. Uh, so I will kind of scour the internet and get statistics. And and the thing I like about about different uh, reading different people's start sit advice is, is that, you know, the guy you can tell the guys that do their research and do their homework because they back it up with good, solid information. Uh, that's one of the things that I would recommend if you're going to read other people's content is, uh, you know, make sure they have reasons why, not just, you know, my gut tells me this guy's going to do well. Well, I don't care what your gut says. I want to know why you think, you know, give me some facts. You know, this guy tends to not perform well against speed rushers off the edge, or this guy can't handle a bull move or, you know, or something like that. I mean, give me something that makes sense. So, uh, and I'm not saying to look anywhere else. Rotoheat.com has everything you need, so nobody else is going to need to look anywhere else. That's on you. Uh, Paul, any other final thoughts as we uh, we put a bow on this package? No, no. I'll get behind that. Don't blame anyone else. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll give a shameless plug and then a knock right back. But tune in Sunday mornings for the DFS show. Um, yeah. Two out of three weeks or three out of out, out of uh, four, uh, Rick's going to sit there and go, oh, man, we really stunk it up last week. But if that other week in there, he goes, hey, guys, we won 1,000 uh, last week and, and only lost uh, 50 the week weeks uh, before. I mean, we're all trying here. Yeah. And at least from a at least from a defensive side, we can sit here and go, OK, this corner is not someone I, I want out there. Uh, you want that receiver this week. I'll be on there most Sunday mornings, uh, maybe not with my headset on, but I'll be on there so that um, I can either make fun of Rick or, you know, because that's my job around here, but I'll be on there to help help with the defensive side in the matchup. Paul is definitely the bane of Rick's existence, that's for sure. Uh, and, I th- and I think, yeah, Paul, well, yeah, you were helpful last night. Which I think is a role you do. Uh, and that's, you know, that's a good point. So make sure you guys, uh, for those that are watching the stream, you guys probably are watching other streams, and I appreciate that. Uh, for anybody who listens to this after the fact, you know, we stream nightly, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then Sunday mornings during the season for kind of a, uh, a DFS kind of start-sit focused type, uh, type show. You know, we cover everything. Friday night is a DFS-specific show. Thursday nights, Paul and I talk. Devi. Um, during the season, we'll probably be talking college ball if anybody plays. Uh, Wednesday nights is our redraft show, and Tuesday nights is just your your straightforward dynasty fantasy football show. Uh, you know, rotoheat.com is is a place full of guys that are all trying to move in the same direction. We're trying to provide good quality fantasy football content and not be a jerk about it. We're all here. We're all playing a game. We're all having fun. Uh, but in the end, we all want to help each other be successful and, and get the most enjoyment out of it. So uh, I can't say that about a lot of fantasy sites that I've that I've connected to over the years. Some of them want to make you feel like you're the dumbest guy in the room. We don't want that. We want you guys to, to have all the information uh, and hopefully make the best decisions for your team and your league. So uh, if you have questions, 
find us. You know, you see Craig and my Twitter handles at the bottom here. You can hit us up on Twitter. I get DMs every day from somebody asking questions, uh, and I will answer them. Uh, Paul is our Facebook community admin, the ultimate ban hammer of the Facebook world, and uh, he's there. He's chatting with people. Uh, Craig and I sometimes will pop in there as well. Uh, a lot of guys from the Roto E team, Jason and Rick, and you know, and all the guys, Sully and all the guys, you know, they they do that. They all jump on there and chit chat on Facebook or any of the other places. So make sure you check out Sully's Two Cents podcast and all the other stuff. You know, RotoHeat.com is the hub of all the amazing free and paid content we do have patreon uh if you guys like what we're doing we would love to support we appreciate it if you're on youtube like and subscribe if you're listening on a podcast hopefully you've already subscribed and if you haven't do it so thank you guys again um i appreciate you guys hanging out for those of you that are watching craig and paul it is always a pleasure to uh spend my monday nights chit-chatting with you gentlemen uh stay classy and we will see you next week Thanks for listening to the IDB Heat Seekers podcast with Brad Menendez, Craig Reith, and Paul Belden. You can find us over on Twitter at Roto Heat Fantasy or at RotoHeat.com.